often the question is, you know, why? Why is this important? Why is this something that you or I should care about? And ultimately, you know, we don't want anyone in our schools, in our shelters, in our state to have to choose between food, a roof over their head, their education, and just the basic access to menstrual products. Welcome to season four of Confident with me, Sherry West, and my fearless daughter, Olivia. This season, we'll be talking with some fierce female leaders about things we really care about, including the gender gap and social justice. We hope that these conversations spark your passion and sense of agency to affect positive change. Are you ready? Episode one, things we care about ending period poverty. All right, let's go. Season four. Can you believe it? We're on season four and it's... I know it's crazy. <laughs> I remember when we started this just kind of in the conference room at Nerino Brand Marketing yeah. with a microphone and our first guest and in person, in person, yeah. in person. Yes. Now we're recording on uh, through a recording studio. Um, but I'm excited. I'm especially excited about season four to talk about the things that we really care about. Yeah. There's really so much going on in the world. It can feel overwhelming. I mean, you turn on the news every day and see all these COVID reports and it can feel really disheartening. But as a Gen Z activist, I'm committed to really creating change. You know, I, you've said this before, but I think if my generation is going to be the one that steps up and, you know, raises our voices and fights for the things that we care about, whatever that is. Yeah. And I'm, we've got some Gen Z activists yeah. in the season four lineup. I'm, I'm especially excited for that. And just on that note, I recently listened to an, a brilliant TED talk by Terio Trespicio, where she turns the whole find your passion on its head, because often I have young women who approach me and ask, you know, you know, how do I find my passion? And Terry talks about how we need to turn that on its head and rather look for problems that need solving. And speaking of a problem that needs solving, today we're going to really highlight and spotlight one of those um, menstrual equity and ending period poverty. And I'm really excited to introduce um, our episode one guest. CT State Representative Kate Farrar was elected in November 2020 to represent the 20th district in West Hartford CT. Kate has over 20 years experience as a nonprofit advocate and active community volunteer, championing working families and women and girls. She has also worked to pass laws ensuring equity in healthcare, education, and the workplace. She has a bachelor's degree in political science from the University of Connecticut and a master's in public administration from Syracuse University. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here with you and of course our wonderful women guests. Yes, we're so excited. Um, we're going to be talking with Kate, and then a little bit later, we're going to be inviting some Gen Z activists, Asia Tuteza and Joy Wren. We're going to be inviting them into the conversation to talk about ending period poverty. But let's start with you, Kate. Um, and our favorite question to start with is, tell us something that Google doesn't know about you. And as a public servant, that may be difficult, um, but we'd love to hear something that you think Google doesn't know about you. Yeah, I don't think Google knows this about me yet. And I think it gets at the heart of my very curious nature is that uh, two years ago for my 40th birthday, I was able to visit the, my 50th state 
So I am Ooh. thrilled that I've now visited every state in our country and it just, um, you know, it fills me with so much kind of joy and learning from having done that. That is That's so cool. Impressive. Actually, Kate, you'll appreciate this. When when I was young, I grew up in Michigan. We used yeah. to have a big map on our yeah. wall. And we, our goal was to visit every national park in the United States. And we drove to a lot of them, living in Michigan, but we drove out west, we drove out east, and we didn't yeah. go on an airplane, we drove. But I'm just curious, do you have a map where you've we you've mapped out. I, I do not have the map, but it's so funny you say that, Sherry, because I also have a national park map and I haven't done that yet. That certainly is on the list <laughs> yet next. Um, what was humorous was the last state that I visited that was on my list was Mississippi. And it was very fortuitous when we were there. I was in a bookstore, you know, often when I travel, I love going to the local bookstores and they had one of those classic, like old classroom uh, country maps. So, uh, it felt very fitting that in my last state, I could get kind of all my, this like profile pictures of me with the whole map of the country. That's so cool. It sounds like we yeah. could vacation together. Yeah. I was going to say, I love bookstores. <laughs> like I love going to local bookstores everywhere. <laughs> and so just getting into, you know, more serious, not as swearing. Um, can you give us your confidence file or, what that really means is what key experiences have led to your success today? Well, there's so many things I could pinpoint, um, but I actually really think that there's a few points in my life, particularly when I was a young woman, that I took risks and tried new things that I was completely kind of out on my own about that really gave me the confidence. And there's kind of two two points in my life that that really came to be. So after college, I actually uh, moved to London on a work visa by myself and got a job and really navigated living abroad for the first time as a young person. And that experience, just having no idea what I was getting into, no idea what type of job I was going to find, where I was going to live for six months, how I was really going to navigate that. I think that gave me confidence, right? To try new things, even if I didn't know how they were going to turn out. And a similar experience was actually about a year later. Um, some one of my first experiences when similarly, I actually moved and worked at uh, Sherry, one of the national parks you might've visited, which is <laughs> Yellowstone National Park. Yeah. Um, and I, again, moved there by myself for four months and uh, worked and you know, and in, in these experiences, I think I really understood what it meant to take that risk, to put myself out there, to know that I was going to have all these challenges and that I could really navigate those um, in a new ways. And in both of those instances, I met people I would never have met otherwise. I learned things about myself I never would have learned otherwise. And it actually reminded me about the things that I cared about. So in both of those experiences, moving to London and working, working in a national park, it actually reinforced for me how much I cared about being a nonprofit advocate. When I, would, when I engaged in those things, I always came back to knowing that, you know what, I want to make a difference on this issue for women or this issue for families. And so it really taught me, again, about myself, about others, and just reinforced, you know, how I wanted to use my energy and my skills. That's so yeah. well said. I love that because 
truly with confidence, you have to earn it. The only way you can build confidence is by putting yourself out there and trying new things sure, and taking yeah. risks. Um, so I love, I love that. I love that confidence file. And then of course you spent over 20 years um, in the nonprofit sector you just mentioned, but then in November of 2020, you ran and were elected to uh, office, which is incredible. Can you just tell us a little bit about what inspired your run for office? And of course we we're thrilled because <laughs> we love seeing more women in, in, yeah. in office. Yeah. Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> who doesn't? Uh, there are some. More, there are some. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Uh, I have to say again, you know, there are many individuals. There are many instances that I likely, you know, thought, oh, that's something I could do. But what really solidified, I think, was um, for over uh, ten years, I lived in Washington D.C. and one of the organizations I worked for was called the American Association of University Women. And one of the first projects I um, kind of fell into in working there because I was leading um, women's leadership programs on college campuses across the country. And there was this new program idea that came to us and that I was a part of in launching that was called Elect Her. And it was the first program in the country that we were going to train. Um, student, you know, uh, collegiate women to run for student government and political office. There was no program like it. And it got piloted in DC and then, you know, branched out across the country and, you know, still continues today, which I'm very proud of. But in doing that, it meant that I traveled the country, you know, training all of these collegiate women, again, to take those risks, right, to put themselves out there on their campuses in ways they hadn't done before. And since I was kind of giving all of this advice, I think what hit me over time is that I had to take my own advice. You know, I couldn't just be the one, you know, telling others that they, they needed to look at themselves and do this, that I had to really take it seriously myself. And, you know, that's, you know, what led me, you know, really to gather, you know, a support system and, you know, go through a campaign training myself, you know, not give the training, but go through it for myself. Um, so that I could really ensure that in kind of, again, taking this new leap, that I had the supports um, to kind of make that happen. That's incredible. And yeah. we're, we're all the beneficiaries and you've made such a positive sure. difference in Connecticut. So we're so thrilled about yeah. that. I mean, it's really clear, like how much of a champion for women and girls you are. And it's amazing to see you continue that work um, in office. Um, something that you're currently working on to pass um, is period poverty legislation in Connecticut. Could you just talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, and I know our guests a little later in the podcast, they're really yeah. the inspiration for this legislation. Uh, uh, and recently coming into the legislature, there had been uh, past bills that had been proposed and we're bringing forward you know, a true a growing group of students and organizations and legislators this year to propose a bill that will provide free access to menstrual products at schools, our public universities, shelters, and prisons. And often the question is, you know, why? Why is this important? Why is this something that you or I should care about? And ultimately, you know, we don't want anyone in our shelters in our state to have to choose between food, a roof over their head, their education, and just the basic access to menstrual products. And yet every day, menstruators in our state are making that choice. 
And we've especially seen kind of the economic impact on women and girls um, during COVID. And so when you think about um, one in 14 saying they've had to miss class due to a lack of menstrual products, or one in 10 college students saying they can't afford them, you know, we're really impacting, you know, their access to education. And then, you know, across the board, women are really faced with those economic choices just because of their biology. And that's why here in Connecticut, we're trying to change that with this legislation. Yeah. Thanks for th thank yeah. you for laying that out yeah. because if I had a dollar every time someone said that isn't period poverty a global issue or non-US issue. Yeah. Um, so thank you for laying that out so clearly. And yeah, I saw a data point that one in four menstruators in the US is unable to afford an adequate supply of period products requ required for their, their health. So this is a US issue. Yeah, this is a Connecticut sure. issue. This is you know, a human rights issue. So thank you for, for your leadership on that. And and you're right, there are some really brilliant, inspiring students yes. um, moving this forward in the state of Connecticut. And so now I'd like to bring into the conversation some of our Gen Z act activists, Asia Chuteza and Jen Joy Wren. Um, and so we'll start with Asia if, and then move to Joy. If each of you can just introduce yourselves and let us know how you got involved in this issue. Yeah, of course. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Asia Chuteza, and I'm the student government president at UConn Waterbury. Um, I'm also a student advocate for Live Girl, where I'm focusing on issues like climate change and obviously menstrual equity and period poverty. Um, I'm passionate about ending period poverty because a lot of girls in my community are affected by period poverty, some even including my friends. And when it's my friends being affected, this has a profound impact on me because it really feels personal. Um, knowing girls who are affected by this issue has given me a better understanding of period poverty, and it has really driven me to want to help to reduce their struggle. Brilliant. Enjoy. Hi, thank you for inviting me on. Um, my name is Joy Wren. I'm a junior at Wilson High School, and I actually got involved in this um, in a capstone project in eighth grade. We were lucky enough to testify at the legislative building in Hartford. And from then we've only been growing. So right now, one of our current projects is actually getting period products and period dispensers in like the Wilton High School's bathrooms. And, you know, it's been going really well so far. And uh, the reason why I'm so passionate about um, menstrual equity is, you know, just consider when period products aren't provided in the same capacity as toilet paper and other hygienic necessities, the needs of nearly half the population are disregarded. And I really feel like the lack of period education and the presence of period stigma really contribute to this. And I firmly believe that, you know, we need to get rid of the period stigma around periods. Joy, so sure. well said. Yeah. And okay, to our listeners, Joy got involved in eighth grade. Yeah. So you're, you're demonstrating that it's never too young to, yeah, you know, to, to make, make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible, Joy. It's incredible. And Asya, I know you were instrumental in um, organizing a menstrual product drive at UConn. Can you just talk a little bit about that? And maybe all of you just share some ideas on how people can get involved in this issue. Yeah, of course. So I think um, menstrual product drives are a great way to involve students with efforts leading to menstrual equity, not only in Connecticut, but it's really something that can be done all over the nation and all over the world. And because it's very easy to put on. So all you really need are some boxes, some wrapping paper and um, a sign to tell people what is being donated. 
So we had volunteers come out and um, just wrap some boxes and then we, and which we were working collaboratively on that. And then we um, put them in popular locations on campus. So that when people are walking by, they can see the boxes. And um, I, like I said, I think it's really easy for girls even in middle school to put them on, so. That's that's awesome, Asya. And and Kate and Joy, any other ideas of how people can get involved in this issue? I was actually going to mention something Joy worked on, uh, which Joy, I wanted to see if you wanted to note the Humans with Periods survey, um, which is really a great opportunity for everyone to share their own period experience. Right. So I was actually going to talk a little bit about the period stigma, but I'll go into that later. But I think the best way is to just start the conversation, ask questions. And if you have questions, search them up or, you know, ask a menstruator, you know. Um, and about the Humans with Periods project, it's basically, um, it, if you've heard of Humans of New York, it's very similar to that. Uh, we have a form that collects like sort of period stories of um, menstruators all around Connecticut. So this could be about period stigma that they've encountered. Um, lack of period education, period poverty. And last year um, was our first year of conducting the project. And we actually um, released all the, all the like responses we got um, on the Diaper Bank of Connecticut's Facebook. So you can check it out there. Um, and some of the responses were incredibly, incredibly surprising. For someone that is lucky enough to not have experienced period poverty, it's very eye-opening to read about some of the experiences of menstruators in Connecticut. So go check them out if you haven't already. No, that's powerful stuff. And then Joy, why don't you talk about the the the, the period stigma? Because yeah. clearly in our culture, people feel uncomfortable talking it's about periods. I, and I, I have to give Olivia credit. In our household, <laughs> we all know when, as she says, her ovaries are hurting. She yep. makes she makes it be known, and it's <laughs> become kind of just a very normalized family conversation and, and as it should be yeah. and Joy, I, I don't think my dad is very happy about that but it is something that we do talk about a lot right right that's good you know I actually had a very very early menarche so in my group of friends I got my period first and I didn't have anyone to talk to about it except for my mom and it's just the period stigma is just so overbearing sometimes and especially, you know, at school where people are very scared to talk about their periods. So uh, like currently the project, the project we have going on um, for getting period dispensers and period products at our high school, we talked to the principal and he asked us the question, you know, um, do we need to install dispensers in every single stall? <laughs> and just that question, you can see like how much the period stigma keeps us from talking about periods, our knowledge of periods. So it's very, very important that um, we increase public um, period education, that we take steps to in legislation to provide these freely accessible period products, because only then we can start actually normalizing periods in society, and then we can become comfortable talking about them. Excellent. Sure. Yeah, Excellent. So important. And Kate, I know you agree with me that these Gen Z activists are so inspiring and give me so much hope for the future. Um, and Kate, thank you for leading us forward with this legislation because it's such an important way yeah. that we need to change 
through the legislation and um, your your leadership has been incredible on this front and everything well, that you as, as you said, now. Sherry, I mean, the future is now and, you know, there's no time like the present, right, to make this change, you know, to advance gender equity in our state. And this is just one way to do it. And I'm just, I couldn't be more thrilled to be taking the leadership of these young women. And you all had some great ideas for getting involved, and we'll include those resources um, in the show notes. But just now to kind of transition and wrap up the, the, the podcast, we always like to close with a fun speed round of questions. <laughs> um, and so the first one, and Kate, we'll go with you first. Kate, who is the leader that you admire most? You know, I hate picking favorites. This is such a such a tough one um, for you all to ask, but I have to say, um, you know, a guiding light for me is definitely Shirley Chisholm um, being such a first in our nation's history. And for me, the quote that is just um, the powerful force that she was is, you know, if there's no seats at the table, you bring in your folding chair. And I think that is really what us as girls and women, especially women of color, you know, we have to, we have to make sure we're doing that every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Asia? Um, well, I'm here with a bunch of admirable leaders. So like, <laughs> representative for our said, it's so difficult to choose, but, um, I will say Ruth, uh, Ruth Ginsburg is definitely one of my inspirations. Um, I want to go to law school and she's really a pioneer in that field. For example, she was one of nine women in her class and at Harvard Law School in a class of 500 people. And I think it's really amazing that she paved the way for, you know, us here today. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And what about you, Joy? Well, I'd like to say everyone here. I mean, the work <laughs> that everyone on this um, call has done is so inspiring, so incredible. And I'm always finding new ways to learn from you guys. And, you know, I'm just so, I'm just so lucky to be part of this conversation and learn from everyone. So, and someday someone's going to be saying your name, Joy Ren. <laughs> I as... feel so hyped up right now. <laughs> I, like, I love it. I, I love know. the positive energy. <laughs> and our next question is, what are you obsessed with right now? We can start with Kate. We can go in the same order again. Actually, it's a it's a little bit of a um, uh, you could say kind of mental health and exercise challenge for those of us in the legislature and the staff who works there. We are all a part of this challenge that every day we have to get outside in January and walk a mile. And it is it's I'm I am I'm so driven to make sure even if it's the minus five degrees it was right now to be walking in my you I I would get out and I'd walk around my house at night in the cold. Um, so that's one of my current obsessions, just making sure that I get out and walk and breathe that fresh air. And I just something we all need right now um, as we're managing such uncertainty in our lives. Um, for me, this is so random, but I'm obsessed with making smoothies. <laughs> like I drink two smoothies a day and it always makes me feel so cleansed and I don't know I guess like I'm just trying to be more healthy and I, I don't know I'm obsessed that's all I can what's, what's your favorite smoothie recipe or smoothie honestly anything that includes a banana because I feel like bananas are so crucial to smoothies <laughs> you always make it creamy and just amazing yeah. that's awesome Joy uh, wait Rep Farrar are you referring to the frozen feet challenge 
It's no. the Richfield Running Com Company and Darien Running Company. I'm doing that too, if you've heard of it. I haven't heard of it. What oh is it? Gosh. Um, it's basically the same thing you said, but you run a mile. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's lots of fun. Oh, there's a key um, difference. <laughs> Kate said walk. I'm walking. Kate said run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I'm more obsessed with like a who. I always love Taylor Swift, but I think right now it's like at its peak. Um, I'm so excited for her next re recording to come out if there's any Swifties out there. Um, I think she's just so different from every other artist. Like her lyrics are so special. It's like, um, it's almost like poetry, just listening to it. That's amazing. And thank you guys so much for joining us. I mean, obviously this conversation has been incredible and I'm so inspired by everything that you're doing and that you continue to do. And um, to our audience, can we ask a favor? If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. And we're going to sign off for now. I'm Sherry. And I'm Olivia. And we hope that, that you feel more confident after today's episode. And today's call to action is to visit our show notes to learn more about ending period poverty, complete the survey by humans with periods to help raise awareness, and take action to end period poverty. Thanks all. Bye.